Our scripture reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 10, starting at verse 5. So if you brought your Bible with, which I know some of you do, you can open it to that page or to that chapter. Or if you want to look at the Pew Bible in front of you, you can do that as well. This is from the same version. Matthew 10, starting at verse 5, going through 15. And this might look familiar to those of you who were here a few weeks ago who preached on this exact same text. We're going to look at something a little bit different today, which is what's amazing about the Scriptures, is that something different can pop out at you each time that you read them. That's why we read the Lectio Divina three different times. Catch that? Same kind, of, uh, same kind of phenomenon that the Holy Spirit leads us in. Matthew 10, starting at verse 5. These twelve, his disciples, Jesus sent out on mission with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts. No bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff. For laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, Find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on that day of judgment than for that town. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So I was listening recently to a podcast interview with author and psychologist Anna Lemke. She's the author of a terrific book, uh, Dopamine Nation. Dr. Lemke has done extensive research into the release of the, what's called the pleasure hormone in our bodies. That's what dopamine is. It's the pleasure hormone in our bodies and makes the case that in our Western culture, we are more addicted than ever. And dopamine was actually a, a God-given uh, hormone that we have to make it pleasurable to hunt and to gather our food. And that, that kind of uh, part of us, that part of our system of living has been hijacked by the world today. I don't know if you agree, but I can see that we live in an unimaginable age of abundance and prosperity. Wealth and comfort, pleasure beyond the wildest dreams of your grandparents and great-grandparents. Maybe even beyond some of your wildest dreams from when you were a child. You just can't believe the abundance that we have in our world today. Isn't that right? I can remember hearing, a, a, she's not my grandma, but somebody else's grandma that we'd get together at Thanksgiving, and she would tell the stories about riding on a, a horse-drawn carriage, you know, a sleigh, for Christmas. <laughs> And how much things have changed now. Well, we better make sure we have our all-wheel drive or our four-wheel drive vehicles. You know, wow, what a, what a change in that person's lifetime. But what's striking, what's stunning about this abundance that we live with today is that happiness and contentment have not continued to grow 
at the same pace within our hearts and our souls as, the, as all this abundance and wealth has, has come across, our, has advanced in our society. So Dr. Lemke states that 50 years ago, it was actually that happiness and contentment would actually grow with, with the growth of abundance and wealth because there was a real struggle like go back to the Great Depression and if you didn't have enough food to eat, it's pretty hard to be uh, happy and content and just feel at peace, right? So there was a, a period of time where the more a society would advance in being able to provide abundance and everything that the people needed, happiness and contentment would grow with it until about 20 or 30 years ago. That trend started to change. People actually started to become less happy and content. Less happy and content than ever before in history, especially in the Western culture. So isn't this odd that despite the abundance of our time, despite just the, the unbelievable, unbelievable prosperity that we live with, the rates of loneliness, anxiety, scarcity, which that word means just like our feeling that we never have enough. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody else ever feel that way? I, I just never have enough. Uh, scarcity, depression are higher. Those rates are higher than they've ever been in modern history. How could that be? We, use, you know, we have all this abundance and prosperity. How could it be that we're so unhappy? Dr. Lemke works in Silicon Valley, which she, she says is the wealthiest part of the wealthiest country, our country, <laughs> the wealthiest part of the wealthiest country. And she sees patient after patient who are struggling with all these things that we also struggle with in our area. So these blessings in our lives, these, all these good things that are meant to be blessings, somehow they have a grip on us, don't they? Somehow they grip our minds and our hearts. I don't, know, I don't understand it, but they take our time and our money and they creep into our thought lives. Anybody else struggle with this? Many of our blessings can easily become a curse when the blessings themselves become our idols or our lowercase g gods. Because anything that we give our hearts to or a lot of our time and energy, they become our idols. They become our gods. And it could be anything. It could be anything. Here's just a few. Cell phones, probably the most common one, isn't it? When I'm subbing in the schools, it's amazing how the upperclassmen who can have their phones with them are super well behaved <laughs> because they just pull that baby out and they're just, you know, giving their hearts and minds right to that phone. Stuff. Uh, improvement of our homes or our vehicles or our clothing or whatever. It could be anything. Food can easily become an idol. And what I realized recently over the weekend as I was thinking about this uh, message today is the tyranny of a good deal. Anybody else ever get sucked into that? Boy, do they get me. If I kind of want something, but then I see that it's on sale, whoo! Watch out, I'm going for it. I am going to get that good deal even if I don't need that book or whatever it is, that candle or whatever. I might not even need it for another year, but I, I don't want to miss that good deal. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I think it comes back to what Jesus was talking about. He, he talks about this phenomenon that we know is true, but it's harder to live out. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, no one can serve two masters. For a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve God and wealth. Now let me remind you that 
Uh, the word that Jesus uses for wealth here isn't necessarily saying like you shouldn't have money in the bank. You shouldn't take care of your needs or anything like that. He's not saying live in poverty. What he's saying is you can't serve God and this impulse to be the master of your own destiny. That's really what mammon is. It's this self-preserving, a self-driven power that we have. And money is the most powerful manifestation of that desire within our hearts. To do whatever we want. Don't tell me what to do. That's, I don't like anybody telling me what to do or what to buy or how to live my life. Do you? It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> and the more that we progress in all these areas, the harder it is to give up that uh, serving that master, that desire within our hearts. Now that's pretty deep, so I want to I break it down for you a little bit. First of all, we sang this in this hymn. I didn't, even, I didn't plan this. This was just kind of a Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit revelation as we're singing this song. This song is from 1758, okay? So this shows you how humanity really hasn't changed that much even though we've advanced in so many areas. 1758, Robert Robinson writes this hymn and he says, um, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Well, we don't really use that language, but we know that how that feels when our hearts are wandering towards something, when they're, when they're being held captive by something other than God. We know how that feels. I like this is a more contemporary song. This is a song that was in my head all week, and I'm not going to sing it. Don't worry. <laughs> it would be really awkward to sing. But it's a band by 10th Avenue North, and I listened to this album a long time ago, 10, 12 years ago. I listened to it uh, all the time. This song is called All the Pretty Things. And the, the writer of this song says, we're caught in the in-between of who we already are and who we're yet to be. We're looking for love, but finding we're still in need. It's only lost, it's only lost what we've it's only lost what we have. Uh, it's only what we lost have we will be allowed to keep. My writing, I tell you. And we're waiting, but our <laughs> and we're waiting, but our eyes are wandering to all this earth holds dear. And then the, the chorus goes, Look at all the pretty things that steal my heart away. I can feel that I'm fading. Because, Lord, I love so many things that keep me from your face. Lord, come and save me. And now I, I, I think of this song and all the pretty things when Gina and I consider buying a van. That's where we're at now. Just so you know, when we, we test drove one of our first vans and Gina was one that said, I'm never going to get a van. And I felt like it was a sign from the Lord because in the back window of that van was a sticker of a van and it said, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> I did not approve that with Gina before I shared, but it's just, you know, your priorities change in life. But this is what happens. You know, see, as, I, as we're looking for a van, somehow when I'm feeling bored or uncomfortable or wanting to feel back in charge of my life, I start looking for vans again because that's going to be a big move that's going to just make everything feel better in life. Isn't it? And so then I look at all the vans and I'm looking for the tyranny of the good deal. Remember? Like, what's the best deal and do we need to act now? And 
boy, it's just, it's exhilarating. But then I have to pause and say, what is most important right now? And that's the question we have to ask ourselves. Is if, if this phenomenon is so true within us, which I think you would all agree in your own, in your own way it's true, right? Something grips you like this. Maybe not a van, right, Jeremiah? You're not, I'm guessing you're not there yet. You will be, brother. You will be. Don't worry. <laughs> something. Something grips us like that. So how can we swim upstream in the culture that has actually conditioned us to give into that desire? It's conditioned us. It's actually making it harder than ever to resist. So we have to swim upstream to find the joy and peace that our, that our hearts and souls long for. Well, I think the answer is to discover purpose and meaning in life with this Jesus that we follow to find purpose and meaning in life. And notice that our culture is built upon making stuff and money and comfort the purpose of life. That's why it's so dangerous that our society is built upon making the accumulation of stuff or getting the next vehicle, like I just admitted is where I'm at, or improving our house or gaining more power through having more pay. That's what our culture is built upon making that, like that's your purpose in life. Just get as far as you can in that area of life. That's what's going to give you true meaning and contentment in life is if you can have all the things that you want. And remember, we agreed upon this earlier that that's a lie because when we get to that place, it's not enough, is it? I've caught myself a little bit as I think about the van and how awesome it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. But when we get to the van... And we're riding in that van. What is my heart going to feel then? I feel a little disappointment, isn't it? Like, now what? Now what am I going to put all this energy towards? This God-given energy that, that can really drive me in life. What am I going to put that towards now? See, friends, if this is our focus, the accumulation of stuff and money and comfort, we will always feel empty and we'll always feel like we don't have enough and that we need more and more. But did you notice when Jesus sends His disciples out to live as the people of God among those who don't yet know Him, He tells them their purpose. Do you remember that He tells them, here is your purpose. He says you know, things that we won't necessarily do, but he, sa- he says, as you go, proclaim the good news. Tell people, show people that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Now, we're not doing those things. If I asked you to do that, most of you would probably get up and leave, wouldn't you? <laughs> That's not, not there, Pastor Chad. Well, I'm not either. But we can live in a way that communicates to people that the kingdom of God is near because the Holy Spirit is living and reigning within our hearts and they can feel the difference. That's our purpose. In a nutshell, which hard to put your whole per- life's purpose in a nutshell, <laughs> but that's what it is. And he also, Jesus also tells them what they don't need to do. He says, take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey, no two tunics or sandals or a staff or labor. He says, for laborers deserve their food. Jesus sent out His disciples to fulfill their purpose and mission. And through living this way, they would discover the true meaning of their life. 
Jesus invited them to a life of not striving for anything, but instead to focus on Jesus' words and on Jesus' example to let the power of the Holy Spirit flow through them. And by living this way, according to God's purpose and meaning, God would provide for them everything that they needed. And through that dynamic of living by faith in this way, the disciples would have an increased sense of trust and faith and intimacy with God. And all those other things that we strive after and long for or whatever, those actually push us away from God. But as we draw nearer to God for, our, for wisdom and discernment of how to live our life, we actually grow in our trust and faith in Jesus. This reminds me a lot of the, the Israelites in the wilderness, which is what Jesus reminds the disciples of when He teaches them He tells them that He actually is the bread of life. Jesus says in John chapter 6, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, a bread from heaven. As it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus told His disciples, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is My Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they, and then they said to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. That sounds good, doesn't it? Just a continual sense of contentment from God and not having to strive, not having to feel like we don't have enough. And then Jesus says to them a shocking revelation. This is something we've read many times, but to the disciples at the time, this would be shocking. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to Me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in Me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that have seen Me, and yet, for some reason, do not believe. Jesus is the bread of life. The food and nourishment for our souls that never perishes. And friends, the more that we walk with Jesus, the more content we feel no matter what our circumstances. Remember when Paul says this, it's just amazing. Paul says as he's in prison, and he's been in prison for a while, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last I have received... Uh, that, that's it. <laughs> that now at last you have received your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being, being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. And I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. In any case, it was kind of you to share in my distress. <laughs> I have learned to be content with whatever I have. And remember, we connect this last part of this uh, passage that I read. We connect this with our life. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me, but what else do I need? What else should I buy? What else should I accumulate to make sure that I'm doing well there? See, no, Paul was saying I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he experienced uh, uh, the, the reality of being in need and realizing I'm actually still okay. 
Like within my soul, I'm feeling good. I feel content. I feel at peace. That's what Paul is talking about and that's what Jesus invites us to is a life of seeking after Him as the, bre- the bread of life for food and nourishment for our souls. Seeking this fulfillment through anything else. This is the truth. Seeking this kind of fulfillment through anything else leads us into captivity. It grips us and it keeps us stuck in life and it definitely keeps us from growing deeper with Jesus. But following Jesus leads to life in all of its fullness. Is that what you want as you live this life? Life in its fullness? I'm not talking about just a good life. Like, oh, it's pretty good. I have lots of good things and a lot of good opportunities. I mean, Jesus says He comes to offer life in all of its fullness. I don't know exactly what that means, but boy, I want to figure that out. If there's anything that could become a life's purpose for me, that's what I want to, to live into. Is how, what does Jesus mean by life in all of its fullness? But for us to grow in, in kind of our awareness of what keeps us captive versus what brings us into the fullness of life is to discern the answer to this question. First of all, saying, what do I do when I feel uncomfortable? What's my first move? I, I told you about mine recently with the van. What's my first move? What do I turn to? What do I do when I'm feeling bored or anxious? When I'm afraid or when I'm stressed? What is it that I do? Awareness is first. Asking God for awareness. Because most of us don't We don't intend to live this way, but we live in denial. Like there are things in our life that don't really add up. We say, well, I say that God is Lord of my heart, but then I'm living in this way. So awareness is the first thing, and that's the hardest one to sit with because it's like, well, I don't want it to be that way, but now I have to soothe myself somehow. And you can see that this is where we can uh, be in trouble if we don't ever gain awareness about what holds our hearts captive. This is where addiction takes root. This is where alcoholism takes root. This is where people get paralyzed in debt because they keep spending and spending and spending, not gaining awareness about what's holding them hostage. Awareness is first, and then an acceptance of that. Like, okay, it is what it is. And then comes the commitment. What do I need to do to change this? What has God invited me into? That's what we as Christians can ask. What has God invited me into? What can I let go of? And then the change comes. Most of us would like to go from awareness to change. <laughs> Did you notice there's two steps in between there? There's awareness, then acceptance, and then commitment to a different way, and then change. But to go from awareness to change just doesn't happen. So after we gain awareness, then we can commit to some powerful practices. And here are some that Jesus suggests. I want to read some of these to you. In that same section of Scripture, on the very same page, same chapter, Jesus talks about a fasting. Jesus says, when you fast, He says, whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. But Jesus says, when you fast, 
your Father in heaven sees you in secret and will reward you. Jesus also talks about a life of simplicity. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So Jesus talks about the power of fasting, the power of simplicity, and then about the power of detachment, saying uh, of letting go of things in our life. Finding life as we let go of the things that we try to grip to. Really what this is is a resetting of our, of our hearts and our bodies and our minds and allowing more of God in when we let go of the things that grip us. So when I catch myself searching for the van, I just put that phone away or whatever, and sometimes I'll actually go and sit in prayer and say, God, yes, this is a gift that you've given us, this opportunity in life, but it's not the purpose of my life right now. It's not the meaning, and it's a lie that somehow this will bring the fulfillment that's happening, that I'm longing deep within my heart. And fasting is one of the most powerful because it's a means of getting to the root of our response to discomfort. So go back to what you do when you're uncomfortable or stressed. Most of us probably either turn to our phone, like the kids in school, or maybe to food or the television or something like that. I'll confess to you that for a long time, for a couple years, I would go home from a meeting and at the church or like Bible study or something. It could be really, really good. But as soon as I got home, I'd get like a bowl of cereal or something like that or, or like some ice cream or something, you know. And, and really what I discovered is, see, I was in denial about that. What I discovered is that was my response to just the feeling of being unsettled. Like somehow I needed to have food to feel settled. And recently, because my pants started to not fit me anymore, just to be honest with you, <laughs> recently I decided to diet and to abstain from sugar. And I started MEA weekend, and then I've also been adding in fasting until noon. So dinner, uh, 6 o'clock last night, and I'll fast until noon. And you know what fasting has taught me, what the Lord has taught me through fasting, is I'm gaining an awareness. Remember, step one is awareness. Of all those times when I feel uncomfortable, and I have like an enhanced vision of what I want to turn to, and it's not just food. It's also, oh, well, I would like to just grab my phone and, and zone for a little bit. Or I'd like to watch something for a little bit because I'm feeling uncomfortable. And that's what fasting can do is it can show us the root of what we do when we're feeling uncomfortable or scared or anxious or, or whatever. And that's actually what was fascinating to me as I listened to Dr. Anna Lemke who does not share that she's a Christian or anything like that. But, you know, they're talking about how People are, uh, people are held captive by all these different things in the world. And, and really what we're up against is the temptation to escape our lives, to numb, to forget ourselves. And sometimes we're not necessarily escaping from, but rather escaping to, like some kind of a fantasy kind of a world, you know? And it can be anything that brings us into that or that can be tempting for us. She calls it self-forgetting. Everyday normal behaviors, Dr. Lemke says, everyday normal behaviors to, and, and like stuff 
has been drugified. So she shares about like an addiction to reading books and how when she got a Kindle, it became like, like crack for her because she just couldn't stop. And there's a particular genre of books, but there's just so much access now to reading. And it became like an addiction for her. So she says, everyday normal behaviors and stuff have been drugified. And this is unparalleled in life. We have unparalleled access to things. We have unparalleled quantity. We have unparalleled potency of things. And marketing especially does a really good job of, sh- of showing you how new and fancy everything is. Look at this new version. <laughs> Look at the new version of the van that's just going to solve all your problems. <laughs> and, so that, and, and every time you engage in any of these activities or, or partake, Dopamine is released in your brain, but we, become, we have a deficit of the dopamine. And so you know what she recommends as the cure to this? What do you think she recommends? <laughs> fasting. She recommends fasting, particularly from dopam- things that elicit dopamine, that, that draw out dopamine within you. She says fasting can actually reset our bodies and, and can help us to find a healthier balance. Isn't that fascinating that she says uh, dopamine, uh, we can fast from dopamine, but like I just shared with you, fasting from food leads to the same kind of awareness and a resetting of everything within our bodies. Anything can lead us into captivity in our world today, causing unfulfillment, addiction, debt, dysfunction, and poor health. And friends, the fullness of life is found through detaching from worldly things, attaching our hearts to Jesus, who is the bread of life. Jesus continually gives us purpose, meaning, truth, and joy when we give our heart's desires to Him. So instead of self-forgetting, as we follow Jesus and lean into discomfort, we go on a journey of self-discovery. Self-discovery rather than self-forgetting. So this is my, my uh, advice sounds really conceited. <laughs> this is a suggestion. When you become aware of a craving or a want or especially some kind of an obsession like, oh, I, I, can't, I can't even move on until I get that. Try and turn that into a prayer. Try and say, Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the bread. Only you can satisfy my soul. Jesus, bring me freedom and enable me to walk in the fullness of life that you offer. Amen. So let's sit for uh, 30 seconds or so.